Hi! Welcome to the CGOE Sports Show podcast. It's my birthday. On this episode, Bob Irving stops by to reminisce about Ricky Ray, one of the great quarterbacks in the CFL, calling it a career. And is he worried about the collective bargaining agreement? Not so much. Also, Andrew Collier of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes previews their season as exhibition action has begun at Shaw Park before they hit the road. And Wyatt Anders, Winnipegger, played for the U of M, now trying to cut it as a three-on-three basketball player, a pro tour, maybe in the Olympics? Find out more from him on the podcast. Big news today, Ricky Ray has decided to retire from the CFL. Here's part of what he had to say on a conference call earlier today. You know, this offseason and, you know, kind of what I went through, the process I went through, um, trying to decide on, you know, whether I wanted to play or um, retire. And basically, um, I wanted to give it the full offseason just to make sure I was 100% committed on, you know, actually what the decision I wanted to do. And um, the more I I thought about it, you know, over the off season, I just physically, I, I just don't think I can perform, you know, at a standard, you know, necessary to play anymore. And, you know, every time I had that competitor inside of me saying, you know, hey, you can still do it. You know, there's a lot left to accomplish. Um, you know, I just had the practical voice in my head saying, you know, I just physically, you know, you, you just can't do it anymore. Joining me on the line is the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. He's called a number of Ricky Ray's games over the years when he was with Edmonton and then Toronto. Uh, Bob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, Christian. Happy birthday, by the way. I'm at <laughs> I'm at Transcona National Stadium watching my grandson play flag football. So if there, if you hear a little wind noise, it's because there's a nasty north wind blowing uh, up our backs here. But uh, I'm doing fine, and uh, it's too bad Ricky Ray's not going to be with us anymore. Man, what a career he had, Christian. You know, when he said uh, his body just can't handle it anymore. Interesting, his first nine years in the league, he missed a grand total of six games. And we were always amazed at how durable Ricky Ray was. He was sort of like Gumby. He'd get pounded and he'd get right back up and keep playing. I know Doug Brown often said he, <laughs> playing against Ricky Ray was frustrating because you could hit him and hit him and hit him. And he'd never react, and he'd never stay down. But he had a great career, 16 seasons. You talked about it, uh, four Grey Cup victories. Um, really a, a class act on and off the field, and uh, one of the all-time greats. And it is a reminder that oftentimes players in all sports don't necessarily get to go out on their own terms. He was knocked out of a game with a neck injury early last season, hasn't played since, and really not a big surprise that uh, his career is done now. Yeah, there were concerns about him, I think, in the last three or four years of his career, Christian, about whether or not, you know, he still could you know, could stand up to the pounding that quarterbacks take. And, boy, he missed a lot of games in the last few years, although the Great Cup year two years ago, he played, I think, 17 of the games. Uh, but, yeah, it all just caught up with him. And, the hits again, the hits he took uh, just took their toll over the years. And physically, I know guys never want to – they never want to quit, but physically, they just can't do it anymore. And I think that's the conclusion that Ricky Ray reached for sure. He said that as much in his news conference today. What does it say about Ricky Ray that he was able to win a great cup in 2003 
and in 2017 to go 14 years. Now, he had two in between yeah. those in 20, 2005 and 2012. But that's right. just incredible consistency and longevity. Yeah, it really is. I mean, some of his numbers are just, uh, you know, they're amazing. The, the, the four Grey Cup wins as a starter, that's a record in the CFL. In the Grey Cup games that he played in five of them, Christian, he threw nine touchdown passes and only two interceptions. His record in playoffs in Grey Cup games combined, 13 wins, six losses, 68 percentage completion rate, which is an all-time record. Now, Trevor Harris is a little bit ahead of him now, but I don't think we'll uh, consider Harris to be the all-time leader until he plays a little bit longer. Uh, three-time All-Canadian. It's interesting, Ricky was never named most outstanding player in the league. Hmm. Uh, he was three times a finalist, but amazingly, he was never named the, the most outstanding player. But uh, I think that that's just one of those things. He's certainly a player that will be remembered for how great he was. And he threw, you know, he didn't have the greatest arm in the world, but he threw a beautiful pass, especially that, that corner out. And re- receivers over the years would say that he threw as catchable a ball as any quarterback they've ever played for. It would just kind of land beautifully in, into their hands and their arms. Uh, so, yeah, he was uh, he was fun to watch. And uh, I don't know, he's certainly a guy that I'll remember for as long as I'm around, the, the way he played the game. Fourth all-time in passing yards behind Anthony Calvillo, Damon Allen, and Henry Burris. Before we move off this topic, I guess, where does he rank in the all-time pantheon of Canadian Football League quarterbacks? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I've said many times, Doug Flutie, I think he's the greatest player I've ever watched in the Canadian Football League. Uh, and then you go to Anthony Calvillo with all the great uh, passing numbers that he put up. And certainly after that, I think uh, well, Jackie Parker going back into the 50s and 60s and, and Russ Jackson. But, you know, Ricky's right there, I think, in the top Take your pick, the top four, five, six, whatever you want to, whatever you know you want to use as a, a reference point. Uh, he's one of them. He's one of the. If you pick the top ten quarterbacks who've played in the CFL, he'd definitely be in that group and probably in the upper half. We are ten days away from the expiry of the current collective bargaining agreement. Are you worried? <laughs> Well, I'm starting to wonder a bit, but I'm not worried yet, Christian. Uh, I just believe in my heart of hearts that these two sides, and I know there's lots of threatening talk when we hear any talk at all because the league's not saying anything. I think the players have you know, have played hardball a little bit, and they're going to have a news conference tomorrow, I know, a conference call at which they'll update everybody on the, the status of the negotiations. But I remain convinced that the two sides, uh, you know, reason will prevail, and they'll come up with, an agreement, it serves no purpose for either side to have a work stoppage. But it sounds like the players are prepared to really dig in. And I know that the owners are prepared, although they haven't said much. They are prepared to really dig in. And that, I guess, is always a little bit concerning. But I'll start worrying. They have three more days of meetings, or is it four, scheduled four. next week? Yeah. yeah. I'll start worrying if by the fourth day of next week, they announced that they have reached a stalemate. That's when I'll start worrying. Up until then, I just have to believe, have to believe that it's in the best interests of both to reach an agreement and that they will. Well, in the years you've covered the CFL, this is not the first time that they've been close to a work stoppage. No, that's right. The last one went pretty much down to the wire. And again, that's the way a lot of labor negotiations go. So I think we have to look at it that way. And uh, if we don't know this week, we'll certainly know by next week how it's all going to shake down. So when do you start gearing up for training camp? 
Well, I'm gearing up now watching flag football. I'm kind of, you know, getting the football mode going here. Rookie camp starts next Wednesday. So that's when I'll start reporting on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, Bob, I appreciate your time as always. And uh, enjoy the game tonight. Okay, Christian, anytime. Joined now by a longtime general manager, Andrew Collier. And Andrew, how does it feel to get baseball going again? Uh, it feels good. You know, at all those those months coming into the office when it's minus 40 or minus 50, uh, it it all makes it all worthwhile to finally get a game going on the field tonight. Now it is May and weather is obviously not awesome in May all the time, but uh, tonight the weather is is okay for baseball, I suppose. It's okay. You know what? In in preseason, early May, we expect it to be on the chilly side. But as long as there's there's no precipitation, then uh, then we'll get our our work in, get a game in tonight, and uh, hopefully Rick and Tom can see what they need to see out of our guys. So let's go through what is the importance of exhibition play in setting up what your team is going to look like for the season. Well, it's a combination of um, the coaching staff having a look at what they've got. Uh, we we have to trim down our rosters next week, so they want to see some of the new guys that they haven't seen in person before, just to see what they can do and and see what the guys coming back if they're uh, if they're still doing what they think they can do, and and then by next week they'll be able to make an informed decision as to who stays and who's who goes and plus it's a chance to go over whether it's bunt plays or or uh various infield plays it's uh it's just a, a good chance to to get the work in how many players are i guess on the team right now what is the number you have to get it down to we have 26 right now we have to be at 23 by uh next tuesday um, so they need to make at least three moves, but we could start the season with 22 or 23. It all depends how many, uh, how many guys they want to start the season with. Okay. Yeah. So next Tuesday is the 15th, uh, or next, uh, sorry, a week from today is the 15th. Next Tuesday is the 14th and, uh, your season, you know, the exhibition play 14th is the Tuesday and then you open it the 16th against the Texas Airhogs on the road. So you're you're basically hitting the road on the start of this exhibition schedule, and then you're going right into the regular season. Yeah, it's something we've done for a number of years is we've asked the league if they'd let us start down in the, the southern climate to to enjoy some better weather uh, for the for the mid part of May and then come home uh, near the end of May. So... We start in Texas, but instead of just going straight there, we work our way down with preseason games in Fargo, Lincoln, and Kansas City, and then 15th is a day off, and then get right at it, regular season in Texas on the 16th. And then the uh, home opener Friday, May 24th. So the Gold Eyes are coming off, I think, statistically the worst record that this team has had. What did that? How did that change this offseason compared to the other recent offseasons where you're coming off a championship? You know what? I think if you asked Rick, it it didn't really change a whole lot. Um, every season he goes into, and the goal is is to win a championship. And things didn't go didn't go our way last year, whether it was injuries or just not the play that we had expected. But when he went into this season, he he tried to 
put together the best team he can and and hopefully we stay healthy and and the guys play up to their potential can any year be a championship year absolutely with our coaching staff and the fact that we've won three championships since 2012 i think any year we go into it with the with those guys at the helm and and making the decisions every year is a potential championship year. Any big moves in the off season this year that fans should know about? Um, I I think a big move is uh, our third baseman who was with us in sixteen and seventeen, Wes Darvel, coming back. He was with the Dodgers organization last year at the Double A and Triple A level. So to have him back at at third base and his left-handed bat. And his experience was uh, was a good addition. Um, having the guys back, we have five guys that were part of the 16 and 17 championship years. So having those guys back, Reggie and Josh Romanski and Victor Capion, Mitch Lamson, um, guys like that, Kevin McGovern that were here uh, for those championship years is always good. And then Rick and Tom have filled in some of the other spots and, and in their minds, put together a, a good, fast, hungry team to get going. And any kind of special occasions at the ballpark this season to get the fans in? You know what? We've got uh, our our fireworks nights, which are always fan favorites. We've got seven of those, starting with the home opener on May 24th. Bacon night is always a huge hit with the fans. This year we're giving away uh, bacon print uh, bucket hats, those should be interesting. Uh, hockey night's always a lot of fun. You know what? Almost every game out of the 50 home games has something going on, and and uh, fans go to goldeyes.com. They can check it all out. So you got the couple exhibition games starting tonight against Fargo and then uh, the home opener. How are uh, ticket sales going for the home opener? Ticket sales are going well. I think we're over 5000 for for the home opener with, uh, three weeks to go. Uh, well, it's just over two weeks to go, so it should be uh, should be should be good. This time of year always must be pretty fun. It is, like I said earlier, it's uh, it's a long winter in Manitoba, and people are excited to get outside, and and we're no different. We're we're excited to get outside and see the team on the field, and see some games, and see the the fans in the stands, and. Uh, we have a lot of long-time ticket holders here, so it's always a lot of fun to see them come back to the park each spring. Now, I remember uh, there was a, a special kind of like craft brewery little station that was set up uh, a year or two ago. How did that go, and is that continuing? Yeah, that was started last year, uh, Craft Beer Corner. Uh, we built a new deck down the third baseline uh, at the tops of sections A and B. And uh, last year we had two, we had six total taps. This year we have eight taps, so we have two from Labatt's, two from Fort Gary, and then four from Manitoba Breweries. So every ten games, uh, there's going to be two different Manitoba breweries there. So every game, eight different choices of uh, craft beer, and it was hugely popular last year, which is why we added two more taps and. Yeah, really looking forward to to having five more Manitoba breweries selling their product at the park this summer. All right, Andrew. Well, I appreciate your time tonight, as always, and uh, best of luck through the season. Hey, thank you very much. Recently, 
Team Canada played in a World Cup qualifier in Puerto Rico for three-on-three basketball. Yes, it is becoming more and more popular internationally. One of the players on that team is Winnipegger Wyatt Anders, who joins us now on the CGB Sports Show. Good evening, Wyatt. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So, you're, how did you, uh, I guess, make the transition? You played for the, the Manitoba Bisons. When did three-on-three basketball become uh, a point where you wanted to get into that? Um, myself and my old coach, who was a player for the Bisons as well, Darcy, saw this three-on-three where you can travel the world and win some money. So we uh, jumped on board about five or six years ago, and then they just recently made it an Olympic sport, and we got an opportunity to represent Team Canada. So for those who, you know, have only played pickup, how is three-on-three officiated? What are the rules that may differ from a regular basketball game? Uh, It's shorter, so it's a game up to 21 or 10 minutes. So similar to one quarter of play. Uh, it's currently more physical than five on five. They're debating whether they want to call a little bit more, or keep it that physicality and uh, just quicker pace. Full you got to be ready for a transition yeah, real quick. It, it is full court. Uh, no, it's half court. Uh, if you score, you're on offense. Like the defensive team goes instantly to offense. It's not check it up. Old. You know the old hoop it up ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's uh, I, it's it's kind of a more informal feel then to it. Yeah, I'd say so. It's just quicker, kind of like an MMA fight is how people describe the conditioning with it. So what was I guess was there a learning curve then jumping from U sports to three on three basketball? Uh, definitely was. You have to be more skilled. Uh, those that are just one way players are. You know, just a really good score. Struggled on the defense and rebounding end. Less people to help you out. Kind of five on five. You have more teammates that can help rotate and help you out. But this one, you could be on an island going one-on-one. So what, I guess, skills did you have to improve on or adjust when you started out on three on three? Um, Increasing my shooting range. So it's twos and ones. So normally I'd be a back-to-the-basket rebounder defender. And I added shooting to my... Um, I guess you can say tool set. And so that way I can be more well-rounded for the game. And how do, uh, how does Canada rank, I guess, internationally? Uh, last year they came in fifth in the world cup, I believe. Uh, so this one was a qualifier. They gave the opportunity to the United States to automatically go to the world cup. Uh, we were called upon last minute to, uh, represent Nigeria and so they took the top-ranked players in Canada, which was myself and a couple other teammates I had, and we went out to represent Canada. And uh, how'd it go? Uh, not too bad. We made it to the knockout round, and unfortunately, in the game of three-on-three, uh, if you have a bad game, it eventually catches up to you. But we were beating teams 20-5 to and 21-7, to and then uh, we just had a bad shooting day. It's it's outdoors, so wind comes and plays mm. a factor. And um, all it takes is one game. And a comparison I would make is in a 5-on-5 five five game, you have four quarters. So if your team has a bad quarter, you can make up for it in the other three quarters. And it balances out. But here, if you miss a couple of shots, you're down seven, and they're almost at 21. So it's a tough game to play. You have to be on your toes and ready to go. 
Sounds very, very uh, tense just because of how quick it is. You can have three bad minutes and all of a sudden it's over. Exactly. So uh, I guess what's the next step for, for you then? Um, I've been on the pro circuit, which is um, a side circuit from the World Cup where you accumulate points. And I've been to a Masters pretty much every year. And a Masters is just a collection of mostly the top 10 teams in the world that come to one spot where you can win money. And then if you place well in enough Masters, you go to the final where the best teams just show up. So our Masters was in Saskatoon, Chicago, and Mexico City, which I've been a part of all three. And we've been um, the team that won the world tour uh, last year in Saskatoon. So we have the potential to not only be a top team, in the world, but also to be the best team in Canada. How lucrative is three on three basketball? Uh, it's, it's tough to say like the comparison I make with three on threes, it's like the beach volleyball of volleyball, right? So there's beach volleyball, which is two on two intense cash prizes represent Canada. A um, little bit more skill required than the six on six. And, Three-on-three basketball is a, a similar comparison. Okay. So I'll ask you about the the big three league before I, you go here. Is there any thought of trying to crack that, or is that just com- kind of completely separate on its own? Uh, the tough part is they run at the same time as a three-on-three, and um, their rules are different. So it's more check-it-up, uh, more NBA-type officiating. I did consider possibly going down. Uh, the only issue with that is – you pretty much have one tryout against ex NBA guys. Mm. And if you're out, you're out. So it's a big step to make. And even if you make it, you're not guaranteed. So it's, it's kind of a risk reward. And as much as I'd like to try that out, I don't know if that's the best option for me right now. Now you did say it's been a few years since you got into this. Did you get into three on three before it was made an Olympic sport? Yes. They used to have, or they still do a pro circuit. And when you found out that it's becoming an Olympic sport, how was that? What was your reaction to that? I was happy and surprised. Um, I don't know what the future of this is. It's getting bigger and bigger. Every year I'm part of it. There's some NBA players or ex-NBA players in it. Um, So it is getting tougher to be the best, but it's definitely an exciting gameplay that my body likes to compete in. Well, Wyatt, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight and best of luck going forward. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?